Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Good evening, or rather good morning, Midwest Monsters. Uh, this is uh, a unique uh, opportunity that uh, me and the boys are getting together in the morning time to record an episode. I am one of your hosts. I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Magin! Professor Wagstaff. Glad to be back with you. It's been a while since we recorded. Yes. It's been a long while. You know, we had October, very busy time of the year for us horror fans, so we, we didn't get together during that. Uh, also, uh, November just kind of slipped by us, <laughs> as these things can happen. Um, we're dudes. We're just, yeah, you know, like, you know, I had all kinds of weddings I had to do, and there was hunting seasons, and hunting trips, and uh, holidays, and... Did you kill anything? No. Wasted trip, then, huh? <laughs> it's a pretty accurate statement there. Uh, so, uh, thanks for bringing up uh, putting salt in the wind. Well, what do you fellas been up to? Lots of work. Yeah. Lots of just busy schedule. Seems like uh, nothing huge going on, but just something to always occupy the time. And you get three busy, three busy adults in the mix, and us trying to figure out when to do this. That's why we're here in the morning. Yeah, yeah, we are here on a Friday morning, and we came to Richmond. Well, they, they these two fellers live in Richmond, so I came down here to record this episode. I'm going to work in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt Cheesy, what have you been up to? Um, I started going to yoga class. Nice. I, I don't actually participate. I just go. <laughs> That's a good idea. I sit in the back and watch because it just looks like too much work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just been working on... No, I'm lying, dude. I've, I've been playing lots of video <laughs> games. Like It's been a great couple months for me in video games. I mean, I do go to work and I still work for Habitat, but I'm just, I've been playing video games. Right on. Hanging out with the kid. Right on. Play. Okay, so let's jump into We Are in the Monster Mash, and is this... Unlucky number 13? Is this our 13th monster match? You know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even know where we're at, what we're doing. Uh, I I gave up counting them. (laughs) I'm still getting that coffee in. I'll get back to you on that. All right. Well, let's call it number 13. We probably should have prepared a little bit better for this. But uh, so uh, I'll start with myself. I picked uh, Pumpkinhead for this episode. Uh, Childhood favorite of mine. Great, uh, just great mythological horror movie good stuff that's why i picked it i remember this is one of the this is one of the first movies i can remember seeing as a kid horror movie wise right on awesome professor uh, i chose children of the corn uh, at, when we were picking 
these i knew i was going to watch it so yeah, it fit in well <laughs> and i mean as, as for those of you who listen to our stephen king episode you realize and well anybody who knows anything about stephen king it's just too expansive to cover these things in depth so it costs a lot of money yeah so from, <laughs> yeah so from time to time um you know just cover different things like that so yeah wanted to cover this film but not the uh endless sequels yeah Right on. That's it. Uh, I chose Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, I chose it because we did the Romero Zombie episode, and I really like this flick, and I really wanted to re. I wanted a reason to go back in and watch it again with in more depth, and kind of to, to take something else away from it. I enjoy it. Cool. Very cool. So, Madchan, uh, the man who likes to man the helm. Uh, <laughs> where are we going? Where are we start? Uh, we're gonna start with Pumpkinhead, nineteen eighty-eight. All right. Um, this movie, as we all know, stars Lance Hendrickson, great guy. Uh, he stars the main character Ed Hardley. We have a uh, Chris played by Jeff East. Kim is played by Kimberly Ross. There's a lot of uh, character work going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and uh, well, and it was directed by Jeff Burr. Cool. Did we remember Jeff Burr? No. Jeff Burr is the guy who. Uh, Helm, Texas Chainsaw 3, okay. Leatherface. Okay. Well, I just want to start off by saying, isn't Lance Hendrickson a stud in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no way around it. Just Let's just get that out of the way. Stud. Um, wow, dude. I just totally, I totally spaced that. No, it's directed by Stan, Stan Winston. Winston. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't want to be a ball buster. No, no, I didn't. No, no, no. I, I, wrote, I wrote, got the wrong thing down. Gotcha. It, yeah, part two was directed by Jeff Burr. This oh, one was okay. Stan Winston, the creature creator himself. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. Matt Chan, do you want to tell our listeners about how much you enjoyed watching Pumpkinhead <laughs> this time around? Oh, dude, check this out, man. Like, anytime you get a great story of revenge, uh, this takes it that one step further because not only do you get the revenge story, you get a guy who summons a supernatural beast through this wicked old woman who lives in the woods or well out in the middle of nowhere in the, and he's in, got a hook for a hand. Uh, no, he does not have a hook for a hand. <laughs> he does not have Someone's a hook for a hand. He's got a big pumpkin head. The name. <laughs> man, I, <laughs> come clean, Matt and Tell our listeners what happened. Look, man, I got the professor even reminded me that because it's been a while. He reminded me that we were watching pumpkin head. I watched candy man. <laughs> <laughs> that's Close great enough. that's great and you've seen the movie before, i've right? seen the movie yeah. i mean yeah. so i can follow along so literally when i just read you guys the jeff burr thing i'm reading it off of imdb because i have no notes on pumpkin <laughs> i'll come clean you got me i like uh, how quick you were to point that out <laughs> well yeah. you did you did a great synopsis there right what right, pumpkin right head is about um, but that really i didn't read that i i remember i really enjoyed that part of it yeah um, this movie is, is interesting to me. Um, I, I want to get a couple things out of the way here first. I love that there's an early reveal. You don't wait the whole movie to see what the monster looks like. Mm-hmm. That happens oh, in the first five minutes. Right. You know, with, with Lance Hendrickson as a child. Right. Um, but we find, and it, so it, it, it adds to this folklore. Um, would you say, is this, I, I can't, I can never remember the location. What state are they in? Honestly, I don't know that it's, one. It's either because somebody called it an Appalachian story, but it looks more like an Ozark tale to me. Yeah, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I was just think Tennessee. Okay. I, Maybe I, it is. I don't think yeah, there's see, anything I never, that specifies it. Yeah, but... It's a hillbilly uh, folklore story. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's, so you got the old witch lady in the woods and things like that. And 
you know, so to get this out of the way, spoiler alert, the reason he goes to see the old lady is his child is killed. Right. On right. accident by these these hot rod city kids who come to do some some dirt biking. Yeah, they're these teenage kids and and uh no good. So I remember this being uh I remember crying with the when the little kid died as mm-hmm. a kid. And I, that's like one of my early, I, that always has stuck with me. Like, cause I think that's really one of the first times like you talk about kids and their developmental levels. Right. I really think that's the first time I felt compassion. You know what I mean? Like I remember as a kid, this little kid dying and thinking like, right. boy, that sucks. This little kid died. Yeah. You know what I mean? The scene that always stuck with me is when uh, Lance, like that whole scene, cause Lance puts him in the truck. Yeah. He doesn't, they don't, he puts him in the truck and they start heading, you know, mm-hmm. he runs out there. Yeah. It's like the kids with him the whole time. And I always got this sense that the kid, when I was little, I always got the sense that the kid was alive. Oh, uh, yeah. See, yeah. It, it wasn't so... It doesn't... It doesn't right, 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 right. Because right. He's, he's carrying him around and kissing him on the head and talking to him. and He does live for a while. Right, right, right. And then yeah. I did... I thought, you know, he's going to turn into the pumpkin head. You know, he's going to get this revenge. Everything was going to be... But no. That's, that's really a, a profound dynamic that you're talking about. I can relate the same thing to Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. um, And I, I think through childhood... Um, at least most parents, uh, you know, try and take those very formative, happy years and keep you happy. There's no need to force the idea of death and mortality on a five-year-old. Right. Um, and so a movie like that can really have a profound effect, you know, where, where you know, you kind of relate it because the same for me with the uh, gauge on um, Pet Cemetery and thinking I've already gotten to enjoy more. This is this is really sad. Yeah. I remember it having like a terrifying effect on me. And the same thing for for Pumpkinhead. That was one of uh, the more modern movies I was allowed to watch because it didn't rely heavily on you know exploits like a lot of films of, of its time. Right. So yeah, no, that it had the same effect on me. Um. Yeah, Man Chan. Some uh, any uh, other early thoughts uh, on the film uh, or these these themes that we're talking about. Um, the, like I said, I really didn't grasp the, the whole situation, I, but I did, re, I do remember being upset by it. Yeah. Watching it later on, uh, watching it with the wife, actually, I don't think she quite grasped what was going on either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gather, he, he had to pay the, he had to, I remember he had to pay the witch woman. Yeah. And silver, was it? Yeah. Silver dollars, I think he paid her. But, I mean, I just remember the feeling of this movie was that of uh, it was a dread, you know? Like I, I, I said before, that it was a revenge tale, but it was more like a grief, you know. There's this huge sense of man, what, what, you know? Like I can't deal with this, so the way I'm going to deal with this is I'm immediately going to flip anger, flip on yeah. anger. I'm going to summon this beast that I've seen before. I know yep. it exists. And I'm going to use it to exact my revenge. And I think, yeah, that's a great direction for where we're heading because that's what I love about this film. This film plays heavy into themes. Oh, yeah. Grief, revenge, uh, selling your soul. Right, 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 right. You know, what what is revenge worth to you? And And the witch makes that point a few times. And you see it ultimately be the unravel and undoing of, of, of Ed Harley. Right. Yeah. It's a much deeper film. You know, like to, to watch as an adult. You know, I can remember in recent years just being kind of blown away by that and and how much more there was to it than just watching this cool thing run around in the woods and snatch these kids up. And I mean, even more so with trying to get a little bit more analytical when we do these viewings now, there's just a lot there. 
uh, and a lot of plays on on the journey and emotion of Ed Hardy. Yeah. It's, you know, with the going back and forth, I don't want to go too deep into it because I know we'll go through all of this. But yeah, it's a it's a much richer film than you know you would think as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's so. Let's let's stay on the lighted real quick before we get to the heavy stuff. It's just visually a beautiful movie. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that's probably what drew us all to it at an early age was that it's it's stunning. It looks great. The set design, the hillbilly setting, the weird hillbilly family, <laughs> like. But the set design, it to me is is even reminiscent. You know, I always bring up like uh, Mick Garris's work with Hocus Pocus. You know, what right, I mean? right, or, right. Or like Ernest Scared Stupid. Like those movies are great because they look like. Mm-hmm a scary movie right this looks like a scary movie you've got the woods you've got fog rolling in you've just got everything looks like it's supposed to for uh well and and almost because it looks like that it is plays into the folklore it plays into the mythology so not only like would this place normally really look like that probably not but because this is mythology this is folklore that's what our image of halloween looks like Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely looks like and so i love that just sit and I just sit back and watch this and go, damn, this is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as the movie progresses minute by minute, it's like pulling the pages, you know, into an old tale. Right. The more and more it progresses. Point. Absolutely. They lay it on thick in a good way. And so he takes his kid out to the witch, and she thinks he's wanting to resurrect him, a la, you know, uh, that cemetery. Right, right, right. She says, all the silver in the world. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> right, Yeah. Yeah, and I can't is do that, the voice when does she early? say all the silver in the world? When she thinks he wants to resurrect the kid, or when he wants to stop the pumpkin head? I think when we'll I think the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the silver in the world, which it, you know, this draws on some pretty biblical themes. All the silver. You think about Judas betraying Jesus for those thirty pieces of silver. All the silver in the world. Because why would she say silver? You know right, I mean? right, right. All the silver in the world can't bring him back. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and then things get out of hand with the pumpkin head. As they always do. <laughs> right. well, Anytime you summon a beast from hell. <laughs> or if you get drawn too much into your vengeance. Oh, definitely. That's right. And I think that's the bigger point. Yeah, you're right, Matt Chan. Things always do. When you set out with that hate in your heart, things spiral out of hand. Definitely. Yeah. And it's never... I mean, he's already in the wrong place. Yeah. Like, he starts this... Like, he starts in the wrong place. He's already over that line. He's already made the decision of what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, so there's nowhere for him to go but downhill. Right. And he's he goes, not a uh, a thinking man, you know. <laughs> right. But he really is. He plays that Appalachian character. Yeah. That you're wherever. He plays that rugged, uh, calloused-up hand yeah. daddy roll to a T. You hurt my boy. It's, right. It's it. that's, and that's all he knows. Right, they right, do, right. They do a wonderful job of not only showing you a day in the life of these two, but also the chemistry between them, which makes it so effective and upsetting. Right. But that's all he knows. It's home, work, dog, boy. Exactly. Right. And when that's ripped apart, he doesn't know anything. Exactly. He's completely, you know, tilted off at this point. And so, you know, that's why you can't, as the viewer, fully judge what he's doing but at the same time it, there's frustrating times because as a viewer you're removed from it you know what i mean and and some of the things where you're like well hold on like all those kids didn't do this yeah right. so, some of them are trying to help right you know like, right 
But, you know, it, that's all he knows, though. Exactly. But I, I did want to hit on that, that I love that we spend the time, but not too much time, to show how wonderful of a relationship they have. Yeah, that's what makes the movie work. He's washing his hands. Yeah, and like, stuff like, yeah. like the monster, which in my book is arguably my favorite ever yeah. in any movie. Um, all of that looks great, but none of that works if that doesn't with the relationship between those. You're like, absolutely right. It was paramount to the film, yeah. and they did wonderful with it. Yeah. So once he realizes it's gone too far... He goes out to the witch and he tries to get her to undo the spell and she can't do it. And he says, God damn you. And she says, he already has. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that. I was like, oh. Ooh. <laughs> Every movie that we picked has some really good lines. Yeah. I mean, like, so, has that really good moment. Dude. Like, yeah. There's... <laughs> yeah. I always so, enjoyed that. So we, we, as we talk about your vengeance... Your, your revenge, your your, la- your your lust for wrath, it has a cost. And yeah. you start to see it. I, what I even love even better is not only do you see it taking the mental toll, it starts to take a physical toll. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. way he starts looking by the end of the Oh, film, yeah, he's yeah. worn down. He's got the bags and the, I mean, his, his, whole, his body. Yeah, yeah, right. And he's, he's hunched and, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And then ultimately, you got to kill the evil inside yourself to stop this force of evil. So do you want to tell people what happens at the end? Professor, do you want to tell people what happens at the end? No. I don't either. I want you to watch it. Yeah. yeah like I this, didn't. This is <laughs> this is one uh, this is one spoiler we won't give. Yeah. But uh, I'll give you the clue. you got to kill the evil inside yourself. Might as well just tell them <laughs> <laughs> No. No. You want to throw some facts out here real quick? Sure. Please. This is Mayim Bialik's first film. Yeah. No. <laughs> Blossoms out there with the kids chanting around at the truck. <laughs> the crazy hill to the kids. Yep. I didn't even notice that. I didn't either. I read it. I read it just now. Uh, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Know, I just read it just circling now. around. I was like, that's Blossom. <laughs> Amy Farrah Fowler. Yeah. I was going to say, it's she on that Bazinga show now? Yep. yep. Uh, Which is the perfect name for that show. <laughs> the Bazinga show. Uh, anything else to say? I really don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. I won't let you down again. Until uh, next time. I just love the journey with him yeah. because you you want to see something done. You want to see the monster come out as a viewer for different reasons because you right. want to see the cool monster. But even you find yourself kind of going, "Well, hold on. Like this isn't cool. Like they didn't. They don't all deserve to die. Um, it was an accident. A couple of them were being, you know, stupid younger people and shouldn't have been doing what they did. But only." Truly, one of them was calloused and left this kid to yeah. die for his own selfish reasons. And so it's kind of an interesting dynamic that almost forks the viewer with Lance Hendrickson into the same spot around the same time where you start going, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see the monster, but do these young people really need to be getting snatched up off, you know, from the trees and roofs? Right. Um, I, I love the detail. Um, to the pumpkin head himself, um, straight from Stan Winston. I mean, and I think that also goes to what you said earlier with the early reveal. I think he had such a long history with this and uh, special effects and monsters to know, like, let's let's get this out of the way so we can focus on the characters. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And I, which I think helps, too. Uh, and I, I think that he made such a huge imprint on this film that I, I would go so far as to say it's a, it's vastly underrated. Yeah. You know, it's not appreciated as, as 
really as much as it should be. Yeah, I think I he think did a wonderful is, job. I think it's in my top 20. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't hit that high for me, but I, I can see why it would be. Yeah. I mean, especially since you picked it, you know, like, right. right. Yeah. And I knew I was going to watch it too. Cause it was September. We were rolling into right. Halloween and it's a good fall movie. This is a mm. good Halloween movie, a good fall movie. I've made statements before that I don't have those movies like you guys have. Yeah. I found one. Yeah. But it's not for Halloween. It's for Christmas. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, any more thoughts on <laughs> Pumpkin Hit? Uh, just one last thing. For me, it's just a little thing. I, I liked seeing it when it was down on the ground and all the detail to its body. Yeah. It's laying on its side. Just little things like that are what catapults it, you know, in terms of, like, the greatest of all time. It's not just a face where we got one expensive shot where the face did something. Like, this thing is the real deal. There's yeah. a person operating it. I can't remember who did, if it was Stan Winston himself. Um, but it just looks amazing. I and, did I did like that about that. Like, you could, you full-on saw yeah. him coming at you. Yeah. Like, arms articulated. And right. It, the thing's coming out the back of I his arms. The barn, and, yeah. The long shot where yeah. it's walking. Woo! And, uh... Let's be even more honest. It looks fantastic on Screen Factory Blu-ray. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Shout out to Screen Factory. It just looks beautiful. Well, I mean, this is what that's what happens when you give the creature creator the helm. When you give the guy who's building your special effect prop, it's like when they turned Walking Dead up, when they officially turned Walking Dead over to Nicotero. It's like he knows how it needs to be shot. He knows what it needs to look like, and yeah. he knows how it's going to work best. Yep. So he shot it in a way that made the monster big and imposing. And right. Totally. Met Lance recently at Horror Hound. Uh-huh. Yes, and, uh, we did. Uh, had the 8 by 10 signed of him smiling with Pumpkinhead. I'm sure you guys have seen the picture. Yeah. yeah. And he said the reason that they're smiling is because that was at the very end of the shoot. It was coming up on dawn. And he talked about how it was one of the most grueling experiences of his entire career, which, as you guys know, is a big one. Yeah. I mean, that guy's done a lot of stuff and a lot of tough movies. So for him... To weigh it that way, I mean, it must have been a tough movie to make. So. Yeah. And if you guys want to read about that and mo- so much more, check out his book, Not Bad for a Human. Nice. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. Yeah, see that? I got a plug in for his book. There you go. Got you, Lance. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> moving along. Oh, another one, too. One last thing. Pumpkinhead also spawned, like we talked about Children of the Corn, a lot of mm-hmm. sequels. I've never seen any Second of one's good. Okay. Blood Wings? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I think there's four. There's four of them all, all together? There's four the, or five. Yeah, I think the fourth one is a Hatfield and McCoy story. So I'm almost like tempted, like maybe it's a <laughs> back well in time. Like it's, yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> Moving right along, what are we going to hit up next, Matt? Um, let's go ahead and do Dawn of the Dead. Let's man. do it. Your pick. Yes, it was my pick. Like I said, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. Um, Zack Snyder was somebody that I, thir- I, I enjoy everything he does. And then... Zack Snyder's version of a Dawn of the Dead movie. It was like, oh man, here we go. So 2004, Dawn of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder. Now here's the kicker. Written by James Gunn. Ha ha, you got a twofer here. You got the guy who brought you you Slither and Guardians of the Galaxy wrote this movie. He wrote this draft. And so um, Sarah Polly stars as Anna. We got uh, Ving Rhames starring as Kenneth, which is a nod to... uh, Ken Faree from the original Dawn of the Dead. Mackay Pfeiffer plays Andre. We've got the uh, great Ty Burrell who pops up in this movie. Ty Burrell is an asshole in everything mm-hmm. to a little degree, but yeah. in this movie he's great. I yeah, love, absolutely well. love that, man. So, initial thoughts. I love it. I love it. Uh, I think it's one of the best remakes out there. 
Right. Uh, I think it stays true enough to the original to pay homage, but it doesn't rip it off. Um, I think it's, it's really well done. I loved it uh, when it came out. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember certain moments oh, being really excited deal. as I watched it. Um, I was kind of scared, to be perfectly honest, to rewatch this for the show. Because yeah. I was like, how am I going to feel about it now? Was like that a time and a place? But I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, we'll, obviously, we'll go deeper into that. But that was my main initial you know, concern for it. I was like, I had a lot of fun with this, but the remake craze was kind of early. Right. And so I thought it might be a different viewing experience, but it held up pretty well. This is just one of those, uh, like I I went with my brother a lot, like uh, Texas Chainsaw, like, and uh, Dawn of the Dead was that one. And I remember talking to uh, Billy, is my brother. I remember talking to Billy and it was like, he's like, bro, remaking dawn of the dead that's the dumbest thing because he's a huge romero zombie fan and he was like that's the dumbest thing ever and i was like nah dude it's it's gonna be great man this guy just made 300 you know like this guy made three this is gonna be awesome and it was it's visually interesting and the choices that snyder made in this movie like um and i'm sure that i mean this is wide known but for those of you don't know like some of the zombies um he actually cast ampute casted amputees people that were missing an arm the guy that was hanging from the rafters was actually missing his legs and he cast them as zombies and it was, it made perfect sense. And George Romero hated, hates fast moving zombies. Dude, there's nothing more terrifying when that guy rounds that corner, that first guy as they're getting into the mall, this dude rounds the corner and just takes off running full speed at you. It's like, Oh no, dude, you can't get away from it. Like a horde's bad, but a horde that can run. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Dude. Yeah. This movie literally terrified. Like to watch it. I don't, zombies are the one thing that really gets me. I think I've, I'm mm-hmm. sure I've said that before. But zombies that can run after you, not just hoard around you, man, that's scary, bro. That's yeah. real scary. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, the opening. I mean, the opening yes. is just. Uh, so I think about this. So I love that we. You know, this has a great soundtrack too. By the way, the soundtrack mm-hmm. in this is amazing. So we start with this song. When the, when the man comes no, around? No, before that, even. Oh. We start with Stereophonics having oh, a nice okay. day. Mm-hmm. She's going to suburbia. Right, right. I see. Yeah, right on, right on. Have a nice day. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, like, she and her husband are having date night. And then the little girl comes in. <sighs> yeah, right. Her, her lip. Oh, yes. man. Oh. Yeah. And so that, she was a great looking zombie. But I think to me is just the utter chaos of when her spouse turns. This is the person you love. This is who you're married to. This is who you're going to spend your life with, and now they are trying to fucking kill you. Right. That's heavy. <laughs> That's heavy. And I, I love it even more because later when Sarah Polly has that breakdown, which is yeah. like trying to find some shoes. Right. That, was like, that, that, to me, was one of the best moments in the film because that was so real. Because oh, yeah. she finally got a chance to sit down and let it all sink in. And you got to think of what she's letting sink in. The right. first thing she saw was her little neighbor and her husband trying to eat her. Yeah. <laughs> that's heavy. And for a, for a film that's pretty fun and upbeat and, like, all of our favorite, like, horror spots. Oh, yeah, definitely. It still had some very real-life moments in it. And that's that's one thing that I love about it. And so, yeah, so that opening and all that chaos, like, I love that, that pan-out shot where you're seeing all the chaos and the cars running into each other and then cue. Johnny. Yeah, that's see, that, I thought that's I what you're talking that about. I remember that in the theater when this when it 
just started i was like oh this is gonna be so much fun yeah. like it's such a great open see yeah. and that's a big deal for you you don't go to the theater a lot well i used to i just oh okay well i mean i know you don't anymore, yeah, anymore. So. but i do have fond memories of occasional ones like that i'll still <laughs> right, go there's too. some i can't wait on but for the most part in this day and age i understand it's not worth it's like i'm, not, I'm the, not putting 18 dollars mercy into of anywhere from <laughs> one to 300 people that could potentially screw up the experience for me. So I'm right there with you. Um, so, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say for me, like, I think what's important as we've discussed on previous episodes ad nauseum is remakes need to have a purpose. And this one did. Yeah. Um, and it, hopefully this makes sense. What I'm trying to say, it's like we take the original Dawn of the dead remake and we veer off in both directions from it. We now have more depth to characters and more gravity to situations and grief and fear, but we also have more humor and more excitement and thrills in a sense. So it's like, I respected that, that they didn't try and do a carbon copy. Um, they changed so much of it while still maintaining the core idea of the film, if that makes sense. So even little things like, you know, the zombies are running and scarier now, uh, but at the same time, we're picking out uh people to shoot out of the parking lot who look like Burt Reynolds. Yeah, right. I mean? right. Like, so great. And so I really respected that they tried to to kind of tackle remaking this by going at both ends of it. The 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 original I don't want to say was lacking. Does, does that make sense yeah. though? Like they yeah, really no, tried to to build off of it, which I thought, you know, they did masterfully because it's not easy to tackle that, you know, to make things funny and back and forth extremely sad you know it, it hasn't happened a lot in, in horror films and when somebody does it it's worth noting because that is sheer entertainment that's why something like an american werewolf in london is so good because you go back and forth between extreme upsetting ideas and darkness and hilarity oh yeah yeah and that's what i love that's how they made this movie their own mm -hmm. right you know what i mean Instead of a straight ripoff. And just to uh, add to what you said with the open i love that they did a different opening like that sets the tone right away because yeah. let's be honest, this opening is way better than the original. Yeah. I, the original is a sacred cow. We yeah. all love it. I'm not taking anything away from it. Why do you hate it? <laughs> but this is much more entertaining than the flustered newsroom yeah. and the raid through the building and shooting. Like it's, it was just more effective. Yeah. So with the state of the world today, watching this last night, this is how I suspect shit would start out yeah. when the zombie apocalypse, the way it started out in this movie. That's so like, you don't know what's going on. The only thing is I don't, I feel like it would be more like Shaun of the dead now though. Yeah. than what we got, you know, like with America's shoot first, ask question later policy and the, our obsession with zombies worldwide. I don't think the apocalypse would last long. You'd probably have people like picketing for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, I, I really like that now, but watching watching it again was just like, oh, okay. Like, this was one of the things that helped revitalize that zombie craze, and you can see why. It's because it has so much, and like he said, there's so much comedy. And the things, and I, without being, I mean, I'm always the blue guy, but the things that they do in this mall, like he said, with the, with the shooting of the head, we watch 
the the guy trying on shoot trying on women's shoes. Yeah. We see Ty Burrell actually having sex with that woman, and she's trying things on. It's this boredom that they're trying to overcome. It's like we can't just sit around all day every day. So they're trying to fill their lives with something, and ultimately, you get to see that drain out of them. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're gonna just kick it up and have fun. We're in this mall. Let's take advantage of it. And then, as the time goes by, it's like, well, maybe not. You know, Which, it's like, I think that's the greatest callback or homage to the original film. Right. We get to see all of them doing that, too. They're right. Fun, they're playing sports. They're doing this or that. Playing but, basketball. Right, right, right. But ultimately for them, too, they mm-hmm. ran out. So the one thing that I don't think people understand is when you are in a safe and secure location, hang tight. Yeah. Every time somebody tried to leave. Or every time somebody went outside that comfort zone, which is what you're supposed to do. You go outside your comfort zone, bad things happen. Right. But every time somebody went outside the comfort zone of the mall, bad shit happened. Yeah. yeah. Look, who knows if it, we don't know right. what was going to happen, but we know there we at least were in a safe and secure location. And then they compromised that location several times. Right. So that was kind of, you're always like, no, stop. Don't. Why you, don't, don't go down there. What are you doing? Well, like another thing that they, they flipped the script on in this movie was, you know, in the original, the threat was from the outside with uh, Tom Savini, F.U., and his gang. <laughs> That's what I put down here. In. Mr. Flashbulb friend himself was yeah. uh, in the movie, right. man. He was in this one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so the threat was from the outside in the original movie, the, the, the raiding horde coming in. Right. The threat was kind of from within in this one. Yes. Because you had the, the assholes who were the mall security. They finally came around, but they were a major thorn in their side for the first 30, 40 minutes of this Dude, film. Kind of locked up. CJ ended up being a low-key badass. He I got to put that yep. I gotta put that out there. He did. He did <laughs> CJ die, was badass. He did die a hero. And yeah. So that's cool. I, I'm glad that they redeemed that character. Yeah. That was pretty cool. But, it, but I think that's a lesson, too. Right. You talk about if something like that happened today, there would be those guys everywhere you know i mean Mm -hmm. this is our place you gotta leave and i love that it's taking place in an elevator and the door keeps trying to shut the door my guy fiber's just like comedy you were talking about yeah he's just like stop hey (laughs) stop stop (laughs) yeah that elevator scene is great because it's like such a serious tension moment but they have to keep opening the elevator door there's this one scene where dude's walking through the um the sporting goods store and he puts down his uh he puts down his crowbar and picks up a croquet mallet. Yeah. Do you think that was a nod to The Shining? Had to be, right? Snyder's Snyder's a huge fan. I thought about that. Yeah. Like that was the first thing I thought of. He picked he because it's it, there's baseball bats, hockey sticks, everything else in the sporting goods store. Dude picks up a croquet mallet, and I was just like, like I didn't catch it the first time, but this time, you know, after doing the show for so many years, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. I wondered. So I just wondered. I'm yeah, especially I mean, being a huge shining what, fan of yours. That's what Jack Torrance has in the book, and in the, right. I mean, that's the original weapon, not an axe. Right. So it might be, but huh. um, other thing I want to point out: Matt Furrer, who played Frank in this movie. For those of you who don't know, he's the guy in the. He comes in with the group that's in the truck and has his hand bit already. That's Max Headroom. For all you people who don't realize, I want you to go back through and watch that. <laughs> well, I mean, we've just done the Back to the Future thing a couple yeah, months yeah. ago, and so yeah. So um, I just want to point that out. A lot of fun little nods in this. You had Savini. I sorry, I keep saying his name. Uh, you had Ken Forey. Yes, Yeah, with that. Oh, dude, delivers the line, yeah. bro. Uh, you had um, 
the stores named after people, the Galen Ross. Galen Ross, Ross or, yeah. Um, yeah, so I had some fun. Scott nods. Reininger was in it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was the guy that was being interviewed. Mm-hmm. The other cop. Um, I think a really important part of this film is being Graham's speech towards the end. He says there are things worse than dying. Oh, yeah. Sitting around waiting to die. Yeah. That's a good speech. That would have got me out of them all. That would have got me out of the six. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like that is true. That's a good point. That right. was a good speech. Yeah, uh, that was great. Uh, and then they're badass buses that they make. Oh, so love it. <laughs> don't you love how they made these badass buses to get them out of there, complete with wedge on the front? And one year later, George Romero put that exact same concept in Land of the Dead. Yeah. 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 Not saying that he stole Not it. Not saying, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe they found it. Maybe these were coinciding universes. Um, I just thought that was real funny because going back through and rewatching it, I was like, Romero stole that, didn't he? And looked it up, yeah, because this movie came out, Land of the yeah. Dead came out one year later. Yeah. Uh, Same but, idea. But then you've got the the, crowd, the herd is so thick, and this is always the argument I get with Brian Jackson. He's like, why did they stop the bus? They didn't stop the bus. There were so many zombies that they couldn't drive through them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to clear some of them, or you'll just you'll literally run up on them and get stuck. You'd be suspended on top of them. Yeah, and like it was like once you have that many bodies massed together, it is like hitting a wall. Yeah. I remember hearing other people complain about that. I'm like, they didn't stop the bus. Yeah. They literally couldn't go any further. Right. Uh, so the uh, the island idea, the boat idea, yeah. is a great idea in theory. Yeah, and you're like, man, this is gonna, this is gonna be our salvation, and it's not, yeah, because of probably what happened in the mall. That's all you can think of. They let one person on the island that was affected, yep. and it spread like gangbusters. But the thing that I loved was the Andy epidemic. The guy who was across the way, right? Yeah. Just when they're building their getaway vehicle in the last 25 minutes of the movie, all we got to do is build these things and get to the boat. Zack Snyder's like. Wait a minute. We need a we need another cause of tension right here, and something else to keep you going. We need to get get across and save Andy. Or and then that goes down, and then Andy turns into a zombie. And it's like now we need to get over there and kill Andy right. and save her and get ammo. So there's Zach like in the last twenty five minutes of the movie, he just keeps throwing things at you. Yeah. Like here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. And another another great Bing Rames moment when he says, "I'm sorry, brother." Yeah. Shoots him. Like, I mean, just another great... I mean, he... Bing Rames stole the shit. Oh, he really Sarah did. Sarah Polly did, too. I think Sarah Polly was a great actress. In this She's there directing now. Is she? Yep. Bing Rames asked to be in this movie. Did he? Yeah, he went to... When he... Uh, from what I understand, <laughs> when uh, he heard that they were remaking Dawn of the Dead, he sought out the producers and asked cool. to be in this movie. Cool. Uh, any last thoughts? Uh, I just wanted to point out, I like that there's so many people. I thought... It's an, a glaringly obvious thing, but it adds a lot to the film versus yeah. having you know three or four people to focus on. You've got all these different personalities. Yeah. It never has a chance to really get stale with any of them, which I think is important in a remake because yeah. you focus on comparing the you know the smaller group to the original smaller group. But in this, it immediately makes you quit remembering yeah. what was in the original and True. focus on these new people. And to that. You might, there is one last thing I wanted to say that I didn't think of. Uh, one thing, one flaw in this movie, I thought the zombie baby was dumb. So did I. <laughs> just, well, it didn't, tonally it didn't fit the film. It was no. like, just goofy and over the top and unnecessary. And yeah. they just, and they put it out of sight for a reason. 
Yeah. Like, if you notice, like, she comes in and she's pregnant, it's like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, I'm sure it was it was all well thought out beforehand, but it's like, we put her in a different room. We only cut to him two times, three times. No, only cut to her twice. Once early on and then once when she has the baby. And it's just to cause attention right there on the spot. Like, there's nothing else. It doesn't affect the characters throughout the movie. It doesn't further the story. Yep, right. Yeah, I agree, man. I think it would have been much more effective to to let it be discovered from a distance and hear, like, a gunshot. Yep. And then there'd be so much more gloom. It would be so much more effective if we move on. But yeah. drug it out with that nonsense. I agree. Yeah. That's a good point. So. The, the, the greatest thing, man, gunshot, hard cut to black at the end. Yeah. Sarah Polly's watching him on the dock. Yep. Gunshot, hard cut to black. Yep. And boom, it's over. Yep. And then we get to see all the credits. That was shit. great where he's pulling the rope off. So yeah. Go. I'm bit. Yep. That was good. That was good. And then the fun found footage stuff yeah. at the end. <laughs> Bro, that, oh my goodness, man. Like, I remember sitting in the theater watching that and it's like, oh, right on, right on, right on. Oh, oh, right on, right on. And then they get to the island. I was like, Billy, they're going to eat them. They're going to eat them. Billy's like, no, no, no. They're setting it up for a sequel. I was like, there's no sequel. They're going to eat them. And when the people came running down the dock, it was like, oh, shit. It's over. Yeah. I loved it. So good. It two, so two great endings. It was so great, man. Yeah. Uh, real quick, one, just one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, the chainsaw <laughs> to the shoulder. Uh-huh. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, quite yeah. effective. Yeah. Um, and two, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. How often in comparison to the original would you guys say you have watched this or will like if you're in the mood for dawn of the dead are you going to watch this over the original are you going to watch it for every two times you've seen the original you throw this on i'd say for every three times i watch the original i watch this one gotcha i've seen them about the same amount of times okay yeah and i've had the original a little bit longer i'd say i'm around where you are because i watch the original more often honestly i like to admit (laughs) yeah it's just like a throw it on relax thing. it's one of my top 10 horror movies so yeah right on man okay well, i guess that wraps us up on that yep moving right along all right candy man 1992 <laughs> <laughs> no uh children of the Corn, 1984 directed by Frit, uh fritz kirsch written by george goldsmith based on a short story by stephen king yeah we have peter horton who plays bert linda hamilton who plays vicky uh john franklin is the leader of the children isaac Courtney Gaines plays Malachi, and then we've got Robbie Kiger, who plays, they keep calling him Jobby, but it's Job, right? J-O-B? Yeah. Thank you. Word of the day, Job. J-O-B. <laughs> well, they, they keep calling him Jobby, Job, Joby, Jobby, whatever. It's like, no, nah, dog, this is Job. It's like, I read the Bible. I know what's up. Yeah, I see the Bible. And uh, for those of you, uh, if Robbie Kiger looks familiar, it's because Robbie Kiger was the kid from Monster Squad. I want to point that out because he's been in two movies that I absolutely enjoy. And I think there were his only two movies. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Robbie, I'm sorry, bro. We didn't meet. I met everybody else. You weren't there when Andrew Gower was there. So anyway, uh, this is yours, man. Go into it. I picked this. And look, even now, my opinions on this film benefit greatly from childhood mystique. Um, in my early fascination with Stephen King, I wasn't allowed to read the books, obviously, at a young age. So I was fascinated with the artwork of these different books and anything that was in magazines about movies that were coming out. Well, and within this one, an idea where basically children take over a community and are murdering adults, I thought was terrifying. Um, also relatable 
the landscape. I mean, I don't live in a town as small as where this takes place, but these things interested me as a kid. I thought the name even was cool and, you know, a throwback style to older movies and, you know, combining just with the way they titled it all the way down to something like, you know, Children and Village of the Damned where these children are doing that. So there, there were all these things with my early exposure to film that made this, you know, something I pined for to see. Yeah. Um, it's not that good. I I like the movie for nostalgic reasons, but it is not that good. And I'm not going to pretend like it is because of that. So I just want to get that out of the way real quick. I picked the movie because I knew I was going to watch it. I like the movie, but for nostalgic reasons. My first note is I love the concept of this movie. I loved the movie a lot more when I was 13. Yeah. Like that's my first comment. I like, I, I saw this movie in my twenties for the first time. And so I never had that nostalgia. Um, I love the name. Yeah. I love the concept. Uh, I love the uh, the cover art. Like I love you know that 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 red sky with the mm-hmm. the, the hand with the sickle. Like uh, there's a lot of things. I, there's a lot of reasons I wanted to love this movie, and it just never did click for me. I'm uh, glad I rewatched it. It's the only second time I've seen it. I still love the opening and the whole oh, montage when they man, take over. That diner scene? That's what I remember because that's the, brutal. There were pictures in Fangoria yeah. that showed like him sitting or standing outside the din- <laughs> diner window and kind of putting some of that into action and showing what was going on in there. And that's what I kind of think back to and that, you know, instant fascination with it. But I mean, even when I watched it at a younger age, I thought, man, this isn't very good. Like <laughs> it's a short story. Yeah. Right, you know what right. I mean? It came from night shift, which this was at the, the height of his craze because he put out books for about 10 years. Not quite. Um, but they were starting to make everything in film. Yeah. And so they pull this from a short story, and to the best of my knowledge, he isn't a fan of this and the way they, you know, right. finished it up. But the first half of the film is pretty good. It's suspenseful uh, with the couple trying uh-huh. to get this child to get help and getting turned around. Um, it's, you know, with the mechanic that try, that yeah. talks to him and watching him and his dog. Yeah. Like, these kids are evil. There's a lot of effective moments, but Man, it gets goofy. It really does, you know, with the second half of the film. Oh, yeah. Now, which um, which one's Isaac? Is Isaac the little one? Isaac's the Isaac's little, little one. one yeah. Okay, Isaac's the little one. Creepy. Yeah. John Franklin, dude. That kid, that cat's creepy, period. Kid. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I think it's unique. I mean, they all a lot of them had biblical names, as you pointed out. Isaac, Malachi, Job. Job, yeah. Uh, but Isaac is interesting that Isaac leads this town of kids. Because biblically, Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed by his father. So it was supposed to be a child sacrifice. And now we've kind of got this flip script where now a child is killing adults. Right. So I thought that was an interesting nod. Um, it's a weird movie. Yeah. It's a weird story. Um, but I, I do like that, as you said, that first half is unique because to me, it instead of being a kid horror movie, like about you know this sort of thing, it's, it's right. kind of an isolated town travel horror. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the yeah. Stuff we talk about where you stop in that remote town, right, which right. You ain't supposed to do. Uh, so it's kind of got that that aspect to it, um, and so it's interesting too because this is before cell phones and GPS. Right. This movie would not work today. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they're they're lost in this 
place and they've got they don't know where to go how to get out they get turned around a couple times you know so it's uh it's effective for the time period. now i have a question about that so this is one thing i didn't understand even re-watching it like i don't think i ever paid much attention before uh the old man the guy with the gas the guy that malachi ends up killing uh, he tells them you guys just need to head to the next town it's about 19 miles down the road that way when you come to the fort go right they come to the fort go right and they can't find the town, but there's all these signs for the town, the little town where all, everything's taking place. Yeah. Was he supposed to lead them to that little town, or was he supposed to make sure they bypass that little town and not bug the kids? I would think he was trying to get them to bypass it. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's what I thought too. But they get turned around three times in watching this movie, and each time they're just like, "Fine, we'll just go to this little town because there's so many signs telling us to go to this little town." We'll just go there. But if they didn't want anybody there, why are there so many signs telling you how to get there? That's a good point. See, I, that, that was the one thing that I did not understand because I was like, what? I was trying to take notes and stuff, and I was like, I don't understand this because they eventually go back to the beginning, and then they that's where they meet up with the kid. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that too. I didn't know if the, kid, if the, the motives of that were to – you know, that keeps suspicion away from their little community. You know, there's right. still signs and stuff, but it also keeps people – away from their community yeah like geographically and right. turning them around um yeah that, that I was wondered. weird i thought it was weird yeah and it did it really just wasn't making any sense to me um the kids in this town where well, I, I wrote a few notes uh the kids they talk like they talk like primitives dude oh yeah he him no supposed to be there you know <laughs> right, right. and uh they take and boy the kids in this town take promises to the extremes oh, yeah. if you tell you're gonna burn in the lake of fire for all eternity yeah. I was like, damn, like, I forgot all about that. Like, the kid yelled that over a pinky promise. I was like, wow, like, <laughs> just you're little serious. things like that. Like, they're real serious. These kids are so serious. And at the same time, you're like, this has been going on for three or four years, however long at this point. It's just like, what the hell is the point of this? Like, right. I don't understand it. Like, it would have never happened. You know, like, it just... That's the one thing I understand we're supposed to suspend disbelief. We're supposed to get into the story. This was just one of the hard stories. Like I said, when I was 13, it was fun. It's like, oh, Outlander. Ah. Yeah. But now it's like, this would have never happened. Yeah. Because there's no way they would have been able to kill all those people, the, a town's worth of people at once, and keep it off of everybody's radar. Mm -hmm. Like, I just have trouble as an adult buying into this concept. Well, this Whereas I've, I had before, it was easier. Well, this is before Fox News was scaring everybody into thinking that kids would be turning around and killing the whole town. <laughs> I think I think uh, it helps that it is so small that there wouldn't necessarily be some of these outposts that had to be dealt with, um, and the importance of leaving people alone that have resources, like the mechanic, yeah. where they even stress, "You shouldn't have done that." You know, we could have used him. We need his fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so there's interesting things with that. And there really are a lot of good things about the movie. For one, Courtney Gaines is a good villain. For a guy oh, who, for, dude. For a guy who guy is so, so good. good at playing like a passive wimp in other movies um, and sometimes the victim, he was really good at that. He was scary. Yeah. Outlander! Dude, seriously. Very believable. Yeah. Um, Man, just... Another thing with this that I like to do is place myself... You know, I, I don't know if you guys do this. I think a lot of viewers do. You try and place yourself in these settings as you watch it. Right. And 
that would be pretty damn scary to uncover that. I mean, for one, it's already upsetting to hit the kid, which we get our obligatory child death out of the way with Stephen King, King. Yep. which we do in every single thing that man writes. For some reason, he has to kill a kid. We get that away, but I mean, that's a very jolting thing for this couple who we watch have this, you know, fun beginning of the film on their little trip. She's singing in the hotel room with him, which was painful, by the way. Yeah, I finally um, found somebody who sings worse than I yeah. do. <laughs> um, but to think about, uh, you know, having that happen and then be in the middle of this tiny little community, and, you know, you fast forward to having these kids out in the streets circling you. I mean, it, there's a lot of scary ideas to it. I, even little things like the chanting, which is, you know, taking from the omen and how they did with their soundtrack. Yeah. I think that stuff's fairly effective. My problem with it, and I've always thought this, that it would be a much scarier movie if we knew the motives of the children as you were starting to address. Like, yeah. what's the point of, the, of their religion? Right. What's right. the end game yeah. besides killing adults? You know what I mean? Like, you newsflash, guys, you're all going to grow up. <laughs> right. So so what's the end game here? See, you know and that I mean? was my, I think that's my biggest thing is Isaac may have been 12 or whatever when he first talk to he who walks behind the rose and they decided to kill these they decided to kill all the adults and on the, the your 19th birthday they kill you too motherfucker you're gonna be 19 one day yeah. wouldn't you have rather been like when you're 45 so you could skip out later and be like well i'm out dog i'm out this is dumb i can make or go ahead but, uh, yeah but there is something supernatural going on yeah okay now he, he who walks, walks behind the rose, the rose. wasn't he who walks behind the rose as awful as you wanted it to be oh god that thing was horrible yeah man. Like, oh, but the so cheesy bad. 80s effects were awesome. Yeah, those are Like fun. The, the mushroom cloud with the face in the mushroom cloud. Mm, like, yeah. <laughs> hey, there was some serious pyrotechnics in this movie. Yeah. That explosion <laughs> at the end. Yeah. No joke. Since yeah. when do ghosts explode, dude? Well, that's the, <laughs> they level enough explosions to level half a city. Yeah. That's the thing Like that's interesting <laughs> about this budget. movie is there is money spent. Yeah. There are serious things trying to be accomplished with this. This yeah. was not a cash grab, tongue in cheek piece of shit. Like, they yeah. were trying to make a good movie. It just misses. Gold exploded him. I was like, "What the fuck? Why is that so big, dude?" I love the fact that he makes the uh, he makes the Molotov cocktail and uh, let's go. You know, half-ass throws it and it doesn't break, and then he just throws it again and it breaks against nothing. You know, I don't yeah. think people understand in movies how Molotov cocktails work, so <laughs> or the purpose of them. Um, but my one thing was at one point. Oh, uh, what's it? Horton's character, or Bert. Bert just reasons with these kids. He stands there and he he speaks against their religion. Just yeah. openly. I love that. He scene. just stands there and he's just like, what kind of religion is this that you would kill? You're not loving anybody. What's religion without love? He stands there and goes against everything they say. And they're, they're just like, Oh shit, maybe he's right. And so Malachi's like, get them, you know, and yeah. then shit goes back to cra yeah, he crazy. Says, Any religion without love and compassion is false. Well, and see, it's and that's lie. my thing. Yeah. Why didn't he just say that shit? Like, what are y'all doing? Like, obviously, they just needed authority <laughs> figures to tell him to calm the fuck down. Right. And I'm not trying to be crude, but that's all it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes against them, and then they all just kind of do this. Maybe we don't want to kill this guy anymore. Malachi's like, nah, bullshit, kill him. They're yeah, like, yeah. okay. Okay. It's like, so I I know we don't know the end goal for this group, but the way I took it is they need sacrifices for the one he who walks behind the rose when he's showing up, right? Right. So, I mean, that's all we basically ever put together about yeah. their movement. Right. 
right? See, but this if is you like have... kind of the harvest and right having them up there and ready. So when you turn nineteen, you die. You when you turn nineteen, they sacrifice you to he who walks behind the rose, right? Yeah. There's nobody breeding, right? Like eventually you're gonna run. Like what the, is he... the last person gonna hang himself up on the cross? Right. Or, well, it's not a, but it's a yeah, cross. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Is the last person going to put himself up there? Like, you know what? Here we go, dog. I'm going to be, I'm going to join y'all. Let me draw the pentagram on my, why is the pentagram on the chest? <laughs> I'm so over the pentagram and the satanic bullshit. He who walks behind the rose is not a very smart evil deity. No. He would have really just talked to adults and said, you need to make me more children to eat. Yeah. Wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Let's, Why don't you sacrifice? Going, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Baby factory. Baby right, factory. Exactly. I'd, I'd be a much more effective evil deity. <laughs> he, the he, think, he did not think this out very well. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. My, I got one last thought on this. They just can't take these kids home with them now. We come to the end of the movie, yeah. and Robbie Kiger and his little sisters, you just can't take kids home and be like, You made well, that point in other movies before. <laughs> y'all just ain't in this weird children's devil cult anymore. Y'all can just come on home and live <laughs> with us. Because if that was true, Tammy Faye Baker would have like 50 kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You just can't be like, well, this is how it goes now. That's not, you can't yeah, the, do that. The man. little cute bartering they're doing. Yeah. Two days? A week, I was like, "Your ass isn't walking with us. You better go sit on that porch, <laughs> bitch." You do. I will call someone for your you. Your whole town just tried to kill us. Stay yeah. here. Yeah, stay here. <laughs> that's where I'm at with that. I'm sorry, I had to throw that out there because they all because you were talking about the movie. That's how they wrap up the movie. Yeah, it's valid. They tried to give you that little yeah. scare with the woman who pops up in the car at the end. Oh, yeah. But they wrap up the movie in this cute, cuddly little. You don't know these kids. You've known them less than a day. Which one of y'all kicked me? <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts on Children of the Corn? I'll continue liking it for nostalgic reasons, but it's not a great movie. It's All not. Right. No, go ahead. Not for everybody. I have a huge poster signed Outlander, <laughs> so I'm 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 good with this movie. I'll sign. watch one more watch it one more time before I die. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, that has been another exciting edition of the Monster Bash. We're so glad to be back and doing this, and glad to have you listening been good to see you at the cons and interacting on our facebook page yeah. and page and all that good stuff so signing out for the midwest monsters i'm grizzly abner joined by mad chan professor wagstaff stay scary outlander <laughs> i didn't even know you were gonna do that i didn't, I didn't know you were gonna do that i just wanted to end it that way i was like i'm gonna scream outlander <laughs>